Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Friday, March 6th, 2020. I'm one of your hosts, Blessing, Addy O.A. Jr., and joining me is Imran, the Don Khan. Video games. Video games. Video games. Video games. Yeah, man. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing good. That was People who are just, I, I guess everybody's just coming in because nobody yes. can listen to the, the to prior to the show, but we made a new theme to the show Yes. that might be debuting soon. Are you with me, Barrett? They can't stop us. Yeah. You're on the one now, so you have I'm to actually do it. Yeah. Video games, blah, 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 video, video games. That's the new theme. I so like it. So dub that over the intro. Somebody out there, <laughs> make that and then tweet it to me. And then we're going to make that the new kind of funny games daily. Hashtag intro. make that the theme. Imran, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. And I, I'm i also doing good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because last night I had a good cry. You ever have like one of those good cries? I know exactly what you're talking about, and I almost did last night. Really? I, so had, we, to f- I had to fight back the tears a little bit. We both watched Onward. Yes. The new Pixar movie mm-hmm. featuring Tom Holland and... Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Chris yeah, Pratt doing his Star best Lord. Jack Black. He was doing his best <laughs> Jack Black. The whole time I was like, is this, is this really Chris Pratt or is this Jack Black? Because legit, he was spot on with it. Yes. How, how'd you like the movie? So, I think I differ a little bit in that I felt nothing about the vast majority of that movie. Like, I was just sitting there like, it wasn't bad, it wasn't great, it was just kind of like, all right, this is a way to pass some time. Mm-hmm. But the last 20 minutes, I was like fighting back tears. Like, actively yeah. like, if I ugly cry in this theater, it's going to send a message to the rest of the world. No, it, <laughs> it was one of those things where I, like, I liked the, I, I thought the movie was like really great. I actually really enjoyed it. But it was also one of those things where I haven't seen a Pixar movie in a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I trace back in the last Pixar movie I've seen in the last five years, or I guess the only Pixar movie I've seen in the last five years, would have been The Incredibles 2, and I slept through, like, half The Incredibles okay. 2. What? I was very tired. I'm very tired when I go to the movies. It's just the thing. I'm it's disappointed, just, bless. I'm tired all the time, You though. need to give more respect to it The was Incredibles. A great, no, what I was awake for was incredible. Okay. Incredible it was The Incredibles 2. <laughs> but uh, I, going into Onward, I it, it, it just been a while since I've seen a Pixar movie. And it mm-hmm. was one of those things where I forgot the quality that, they, that these guys put into their movie, these guys and gals Wait. and everybody they Wait. put into their movies. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Before we continue... Does that timing mean you've never seen Coco? No, I've never seen Coco. Oh, Motherfucker. Yeah, dude. What like I it's hard for me to show up to to see movies that aren't Marvel movies in theaters. Belinda Garcia, Belinda, are you out there? Belinda, are you oh, watching Belinda this? Oh, Belinda knows. I was having okay. this conversation with Belinda last night. I was like, I don't think I've seen I thought I had not seen a Marvel movie. This is a, a failure Pixar on Belinda's movie. part for oh, not mean, making you watch Coco. I've only been here for 3 months. That's 3 months longer than it should take. I'm down to watch Coco. We, we can watch all Coco. we can all watch Coco. We're going to be crying that if you thought you cried during Onward, Coco was much yeah, more Coco will fucking wreck you. Yeah. Yeah. I, the the like, ending of Onward, the the oh. theme, the themes and like the message and the story of Onward is essentially um, Coco, but watered down. Like Coco does yes. it way more I, interesting. I, I hate my it's Coco like way down. more. <laughs> it's like way more intense of like what those kind of like Okay. Uh, family themes are. It's uh, it it hits hard. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm what a movie though. Yeah, it was. I, really like, it. I at the end of the thing, I was like, because the entire time I was thinking like, yeah, I'm, this is just whatever. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, I'm like, yeah, I recommend comes, people watch it that. It comes together like very nice. Yeah, course, like, as no, well. no spoilers, but like I, that movie, well, I would definitely recommend people like go check out. Yeah, especially if you like Pixar movies, especially if you like Pixar movies. But today we're not talking about Pixar movies. Today's be, stories include Resident Evil 3 getting scarier, an uptick in remote work, and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames or listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for Kind of Funny Games Daily. 
to be a to be a part of the show, head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bonds members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free. Bear, were you gonna say something? Really quick. I I just I don't think we've really addressed this uh, in the last couple of days, but mm. YouTube has been weird. Yeah, uh, YouTube so, has been messing with mm, us. Yeah. yeah so, so like the Pete Hines interview that uh, went up yesterday, it is technically live. <clears throat> But YouTube on the back end doesn't see it as live. So, like, in our back end, it still says, oh, it's still processing. But the link works. Yeah. But because YouTube doesn't see it as, like, fully processed, it's not on our page. It's not, like, filling up it's feeds not, like, or anything. Feeds but the link anything. does work. So YouTube's being Does weird. it work on both mobile <clears throat> and desktop? No. I, I, like, Greg was having trouble watching that interview on mobile, but I could see it on desktop. That's so. Weird. YouTube's having some problems. I'm trying to figure out some like uh, fix arounds. I think I have an experimental idea that we'll do after games daily with okay. Cool Greg to see if we can have a workaround. But uh, we're we're sorry about that. But uh, yeah, and that's something that we really don't have much control over. Like yeah. that is YouTube processing being weird. Yeah, it's not like it's taking forever to download. It's mm-hmm. our internet. It's not that. It's literally it's the shows are uploaded, but they're in processing hell yeah. for whatever reason on YouTube side. It's been really weird the last couple... Like, it logged me out for some reason. That's never happened in, like, the last oh, five wow. years. Yeah. And I think I've heard... I've, have other people been having issues? Like, other channels been having issues? Yeah. Because I've heard a, a little lot of that. people, like, didn't see, like, when the, you go to your subscriber feed. There's a lot of people talking about, like, oh, like, my feed is empty. That doesn't make sense. Uh-huh. And stuff like that. So, yeah, I think yeah. YouTube's dealing with a lot of weird issues right now. So, we're trying to work on a workaround. I'm going to uh, experiment a little bit today. To Audio see versions we, are still available, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if, you, if, if you're missing out on Kind of Funny Games Daily on YouTube, then... Look on Spotify. It's probably you can't there. see this anyway. Yeah, you, you can't. You can't <laughs> see this anyway. And so, hello from tomorrow, I guess. Uh, now it's time for some housekeeping. We're hosting and producing a debut stream for the game Core on Thursday, March nineteenth at three p.m. Pacific time. You can tune in to Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games to see the devs from Manicore Games join Greg as they build multiplayer games live in Core and invite you to play. Think Dreams feels used to make capture the flag games and death matches in seconds. You can follow at Core Games on Twitter for details, and catch their write-up on The Verge live right now. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Mohamed Mohamed, Momo, Drew Garnet Fructis, Blackjack, and the Kind of Funny Destiny 2 PC clan. Today, we're brought to you by kindoffunny.com slash Patreon, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Rope Report. It's time for some news. We got seven stories today. Oh, bakers! And don't get too excited, Barrett, because most of them have to do with coronavirus. <laughs> but here's the thing. I started doing this yesterday. Mm. I have now sectioned off all the coronavirus stories to the latter half of the Roper Report. And so once we, I'll, I will, I'll, once we get there, I will say, hey, we are ending the coronavirus section of the show. Okay. And so that way, if you really are over it and really don't want to hear more about coronavirus, you can skip forward. But the news stories, the news is the news. I can't really do anything about the news that, that comes in. And all of it is relevant and pertinent. And most of it is actually like really important for the industry. So I can't just skip over it. And so there you go. Coronavirus is kind of dominating the news today. But you'll hear more about that later. Number one, Resident Evil 3's nemesis just got a whole lot scarier. This is from Hyren Cryer at US Gamer. In Resident Evil 3, not even the safe rooms can save you from, ne- ne- from Nemesis. A first for the series, the hulking Nemesis will be able to break into safe rooms when pursuing Jill Valentine. As if the tyrant wasn't already terrifying enough, the latest issue of official Xbox magazine has an interview with Resident Evil 3 producer Peter Fabiano in which the producer reveals that yes, Nemesis will actually pursue protagonist Jill Valentine into a safe room. It sounds like if you're being pursued by Nemesis, you'll have to break his line of sight before ducking out into a safe room. If you just head into a safe room while the tyrant's pursuing you, he'll burst through the door to confront you. Please, Capcom, have mercy. 
This is a stark contrast to Resident Evil 2's Mr. X. The tyrant from 2019's reimagining of Resident Evil 2 could never enter safe rooms, and as soon as either Leon Kennedy or Claire Redfield entered a safe room, Mr. X would despawn and start from another location. Now, Imran, you've played Resident Evil 3. I have. You've played a preview. You haven't played the whole game, but yes. you've previewed Resident Evil 3. Did you have any experience with this at all? It makes sense when I heard that. I was like, oh yeah, totally. he is not a slowly walking around, stalking you kind of type. Mm-hmm. He actively pursues you. If you're running away from him, he will get in your way. So it makes sense that if you're trying to duck into a room, even a safe room, he will just follow you inside there because why wouldn't he? Yeah. It always was weird in Resident Evil 2. You played that, right? Yeah, so Resident Evil 2, yeah. Yeah. When you like go into the star's office, for example, that's one of the rooms that could just still be important. Yeah. Mr. X couldn't follow you into. So like that you would just get into this room that literally just a wooden door that this giant hulking brute would just stand outside and be like, oh, yeah. I can't get in. Yeah. Nemesis, we were talking about this on our first impressions for RE3, right? It's more active, more fast, yes. more action-y, right? And the whole game of Resident Evil 3 is more action-y. Would you say, which would you, would you say is the scarier game, it seems like, from where you're at, from what you played at of RE3 so far? I mean, RE2 definitely has like a more creeping kind of scare. Like, you're kind of worried about, not necessarily the moment-to-moment stuff, but like, just sort of gently walking down like a kind of soulsian vibe to it really uh-huh. of your the the scare factor is in the fact that nothing is happening mm-hmm. with the resident Evil 3 even though i knew nemesis was coming and i knew he was chasing me i still leapt up in like my seat occasionally yeah of being like just how fast he would come out there and like kick your ass mm-hmm. mr x for me was the scariest part of resident evil 2 mm-hmm. like mr x i could i could handle the game for the most part like i still you know, building up to where you start seeing Mr. X and stuff, I, I'd i be on edge, mm-hmm. right? You'd open a door, see zombies, see people crawling on the ground, see, like, the, the liquors, the guys on the ceiling that yes. then drop down on you. Like, all that stuff was scary to me, but it it went over a point when Mr. X was introduced. Like, that was the moment where I was like, oh, shoot, man, now this game is, like, really scary. So the idea that Nemesis is is even breaking into safe rooms and, and, and is more, like, capable mm-hmm. than Mr. X terrifies me well it's from a design perspective it makes sense of yeah this is a, these are games based on the idea that you have limited ammo but if you do use ammo you'll have to use a little bit of it mm-hmm. but it will still kill whatever's in front of you so the main the the enemy of resident evil is wasting resources yeah so here's a guy in which even the most resources they throw at it is not going to kill him and that's what makes him exceptionally scary. And that's from a design perspective. Yeah. Makes you have to make harder choices. Lee Polero writes in and says, Hello, KFGD. It was just announced that Nemesis will be able to break into any safe room in RE3 Remake. Fuck that. What are your thoughts on this? As someone who didn't play the original, how will this compare to it? Does this make the game too difficult? Thank you for keeping me sane at work, Lee Polero. No, I don't think it's too difficult. At the section I played, there was a save point right before I fought Nemesis. And also, I don't... I want to say that you don't actually get sent back to save points. You get sent back to checkpoints. Okay. So if you do get killed by Nemesis, you're not going to go back to like three hours before when you forgot to save. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be wrong on that completely. Uh, I, somebody can correct me when, or somebody can check previews and correct me. But it's not like it's not a huge deal that he can follow you into safe rooms unless, like, they simply design it to be a deal of, hey, you need to break Nemesis' site, otherwise you're screwed. Yeah. Which I assume is going to be a section or two like that. And you have like a dodge roll, right? You have a, you have more abilities to kind of handle with that faster pace and that yeah. kind of heightened sense of action. Yeah. And so I think that kind of makes it that kind of makes up for what that difficulty can kind of be perceived to be compared to RE2, where it, it, you feel slower. Uh, you, 
I, I don't know what the health bar situation is in RE3 compared to RE2, but like in RE2, you can take like what two or three hits before you're. This is about that, done. yeah. Oh, is this it, like the same thing? Yeah. Okay. I'm really excited for RE, for <laughs> RE3. We're only a month out. We're so close. There are a lot of games that are about to come out. Yes. Like Ori is coming out next week. Mm -hmm. Like we're a week away from Ori. We're a few weeks away from like a million games. Yeah. And so we're in, we're in, we're in a, we're in an exciting place right now, and I can't I, wait for. It I was come. thinking the other day, like God, it's so slow these days. Like nothing's coming out. Oh yeah. And then like in a couple of weeks, it could be bang, bang, bang. Well, that was my like, thing. That's why I started Dying Light, and I bought Need for Speed Heat, mm -hmm. and I've been playing through Bloodborne and all in all these games because it's kind of been a slow period. And I specifically bought Dying Light because I was like, man, Bloodborne is, is stressful. I gotta play something less stressful. Let me play Dying Light, a horror game with zombies that that get scarier in the nighttime. <laughs> um, and I've been playing through that just because I'm like kind of trying to gear up and and, and kind of get that out of me before all these releases start hitting and, and I'll have to play those games. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's about to be a fun time. Yeah. I can't wait for it. One of the good things about Dying Light, though, is they added that uh, story difficulty. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, where you can just like, I don't want to worry too much about this. I just want to have or experience the main campaign, the story. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like more games should do that, even if I never avail myself of it. Yeah. Just like, okay, I don't have time for this. I don't want to, like, bang my head against the game right now. I just want to play, experience it for right this second. Did you like Dying Light when you played it? I liked the original. I liked what I saw of 2 a lot more. Okay. Because, like, I think one, the stuff that bothered me was I didn't like the protagonist at all. And that once you don't like the protagonist, most of the game kind of grates on you. Yeah. And 2, I think I saw the seams a bit too much. Like, the very first time you had to run from the vampire zombies or whatever they're, they're actually called. Yeah, the fast ones. Yeah. At night, and, like, I ended up on a... I ended up just crossing a threshold, and the zombie just stopped, like, right at the threshold. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, that's dumb. Yeah. Why is he not just continuing to follow me? Mm -hmm. And I, I get it. Like, you, you can't really design the game like Resident Evil 3 of the zombie just follows you forever because then you would never have any peace. Yeah. But there, I wish it was a little less obvious. Yeah, there are certain... And I, I wanted to say my, my impressions for Dying Light until PSLVXOXO because we are recording this Monday. Stay tuned for yeah, that. Greg's coming back, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Greg's coming back because there's, there's news. Last but if he stays gone, goes, then more news will happen. And that that's the issue. Oh, you know what? That's actually a good point. If he stays gone. Yeah, we will get call the, Greg. Will we get that call PS5 Greg review right event? <laughs> Greg, stay in Canada. Okay. If you do do that, though, if you do lean into that, you need to have like a logo treatment of the days gone thing. It just says stays, stays gone. gone. Greg yes. stays gone. Yes. That'd be beautiful. But yeah, I, one of my things with Dying Light is that like you, like you're saying, you do kind of see the seams mm -hmm. and I'm having that a lot. And it's like seeing seams, I don't think is inherently bad because playing Bloodborne right now, you can I, I can see some of the seams, right? Yes. Like characters will stay in a place until you walk to them, like until you get close to them and then all of a sudden they're like oh i see you now but that's that kind of plays into the game design of the game and yeah. that kind of helps you to kind of get into that that flow of gameplay and be like okay cool how do i how do i strategically enter this combat scenario i feel like yeah from software games show you seems so you can cut at them yes dead exactly. light shows you seems and you're like oh it's like i, I would have been fine you guys would have wanted this to be better yeah. if you guys had more budget or more time or whatever it would have been yeah number two i am 8-bit resigns as E3 2020 creative director. This comes from Rebecca Valentine of GamesIndustry.biz. Also, shout out to GamesIndustry.biz. Uh, they have most of the news stories on the show. They've been doing great work. And so, shout out. Thank you guys so much for doing great work. The article reads, Production and merchandise company IM8Bit has resigned its role as creative director of the Electronic Software Association's E3 2020 showcase. Quote, it's with mixed emotions that I Am 8-Bit has decided to resign as creative directors of what was to be an, an evolutionary E3 2020 floor experience, reads a, reads a tweet from the official I Am 8-Bit account announcing its departure from the show. 
They continue, we produced hundreds of gaming plus community events, and it was a dream to be involved with E3. We wish the organizers the best of luck. IM 8-Bit was announced as E3 2020 collaborator back in January, with the ESA saying the company had signed on to, quote, reinvigorate the show and, frankly, to shake things up, end quote. That same announcement mentioned new planned additions to the E3 show floor, such as stage experiences, insider access, and experiential zones. More details as to what these entail have not yet been revealed, though tickets have already gone on sale. As an update, the SA has responded to GamesIndustry.biz with a statement as follows, quote, we can confirm that I am, I am 8-Bit is no longer part of the interagency group working on E3 2020. We greatly value their passion for the video game industry and the contributions they brought toward our vision for this year's show. We have, we have an, an innovative and experienced team in place, including Endeavors, Creative Agency, 160 Over 90, Event Innovators, Matt Plus Low, and longtime E3 partners, GES, Dolair Events, and Double Fort. All or double forte, one of those two, all collaborating to bring to life an, an exciting and authentic experience for fans, the media, and the industry. Imran, the fuck is happening? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I saw that, ha- like, I am 8 bit. If you could, you haven't been to E3 before, have you? No, I'm not. So, what they usually do is they have a lobby with, like, just, you know, I don't, fan art is a little dismissive, but basically, like, concept art from actual official games mm-hmm. and, like, uh, artists who do, like, art of games themselves like so this is another a famous artist that drew mario or whatever mm-hmm. and they put that up in the e3 lobby and it's like it's a cool thing to walk through as you like go to your booth or whatever mm-hmm. this year they're planning to be a lot more like expand that lobby concept out put it through a thing that people can actually experience and tour and like enjoy a bit more and they got labeled as like creative directors which is a big step up from just a partner uh that the fact that they left it's concerning to me the fact yes. that they put out a message that so what was the f- exact phrasing it's with mixed emotions that i yes. has decided to resign the phrase mixed emotions is doing a lot of blame pointing there yeah of like that's saying that we didn't want to leave but it sounds like it's a big shit show right now midnight hour writes in and says hey guys Merchandise and event production company I Am 8-Bit has resigned from its position as creative director, quote, with mixed emotions, as revealed in a tweet, but the reason why hasn't been given. I have a few questions, but I wondered if you could explain in more detail what this job post was. I think a lot of us will see the title and think of it like a game studio's creative director, but I'm sure that this probably is not the case. Then, do you think they were fired or quit? Personally, I think fired. Don't know why, but I just have the feeling that I Am 8-Bit was probably pushing back against some of the ideas the ESA wanted for E3 this year, or couldn't find a solution for them, and they were forced to leave. And then lastly, what do you think this means for E3? I don't think this will be the last one we see, but by next year, I can see them limping into June. Thanks for everything you guys do. Blessings to all. Midnight Owl. There's a lot in there. Mm-hmm. But let's start with the first question. Do you think they were fired or quit? I think they quit. I think, however, that... This message combined with Jeff Keighley's post from February 12th, his tweet. Yeah. When he said he was leaving E3, someone asked him what fueled your decision not to participate. And he replied, a ton of factors. I just don't really feel comfortable participating given given what I know about the show as of today. Wow. So that tweet combined with I Am 8-Bits thing now... Mm -hmm. Which has a similar tone. Yeah, it has a narrative of like... Which is weird because... They're doing some shit. E3... 
to the to response to Jeff Keighley leaving, I want to say it was like the next day where E3 was like, oh yeah, Jeff, like we're sad to see Jeff Keighley go. I don't know if they said that, but like they were basically saying that like, hey, we'll still be doing stuff at E3 or E3 is still happening. We have IM8 Bit that we're we're partnered with all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like they specifically mentioned IM8 Bit as I think they said what the creative director, creative yeah. directors, whatever it is. Like that was their response to Jeff Keighley leaving, and so now for IM8 Bit to be pulling out. What is like? What's going on? That's why? Thing. Why I, is that happening? I've been racking my brain the last day trying to figure out like what could they possibly be doing? Because it's nothing. It would not be something so simple and benign as oh they're making it more influencer celebrity focused or whatever. Because mm-hmm. like that sucks a little bit for like press and consumers. I I, I guess. Uh-huh. But it wouldn't make them run for the hills. It wouldn't make the other partners run for the hills. I mean, Just pull out. Yeah. Yeah. It would. Like Jeff Keeley. Regardless of what you think of him, he knows how to put on a show. Oh, yeah. And if he is saying, if they're telling him like influencers and celebrities, he'd be like, yeah, okay, I'm okay with that. He pulled out almost, com- he pulled out completely from yeah. E3. Which, I don't know if people know this, it's like a little backroom uh, or how the sausages make kind of thing. But Jeff Keighley also runs Judges Week. Mm. So, pre E3, I think they call it these days. Yeah. So, he's the one who gets us in like coming to Santa Monica for a week, play all these games, decide on what. We you know make the calls for for, yeah, for best like game of E three and all that. Yeah. He's not doing that this year. He's not even involved with pre E three Judges Week. Mm-hmm. If E three was just doing a lame show, then he wouldn't pull out to that extent. So there's some other shoe to drop. I'm just, are we ever gonna know what that is? Have they can't like are they I gonna mean, backpedal we, on that idea? Yeah, no. It's in I. I'm with you. Is I really want to know what's the thing that's making people scared? Because I, I I think you know that. You could make the leap that maybe it's coronavirus concerns. Maybe that maybe it's that, but that I don't. No, that wouldn't be it, right? Like it's that wouldn't necessarily too make sense early for, for them. that. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's too early. The event is still as a whole going on, and, and also they just I say mean, it. Like yeah. they, they would just say everyone has been saying coronavirus for everything the last couple of days. Yeah, like that's people are not scared to state that as reason. Yeah, and then also like, like the, what does IM Eight Bit have to lose? Yeah, by the, like going forward, them specifically saying like the vague. With mixed feelings thing and not just outright saying coronavirus, like definitely feels like there's something else going on in the back end yeah. that is making people, like Keeley said, uncomfortable, I think. There was a quote from Sony when they pulled out. We have a great respect for the ESA as an organization, but we do not feel the vision of E3 2020 is the right venue for what we are focused on this year. And huh. People assumed that was just, you know, like esports just, celebrity bullshit, whatever. Yeah. I but, assumed that was just PlayStation wanting to just have their own voice or like do their yeah. own thing. But it does sound like... Straight up, there is a vision ESA has for E3 2020. But that's that going to be dynamically different from E3 2019? Like, I couldn't imagine what that would be, though. Is it them, like, shifting more toward it being more like PAX as opposed to, like, the the um, the show that it has been in the past? Like, but even, like... That's already been happening. Yeah. Like, people not... Ha- like, I don't know what the issue would be with that. It would have to be such a dramatic move. Like, literally, I don't... I cannot think of it. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of what they could possibly do that would freak people out this much i mean granted we also just don't know if e3 is gonna happen like and do you think it's been it could be like some of e3's fuck-ups yes lately i mean i think it's part of it yeah i think it's one of the reasons the the leaks and like it's just been like a lot of leaks actually keely was really pissed about the press leak and they Mm -hmm. eventually just didn't and they like, didn't. They didn't make up for it in a way that felt. They're like, we're gonna take care of it this year, and like they didn't really. Yeah, like they they. Let's see here. Oh, Jeff Keighley has a tweet. There oh. will be a Games Critics Week this year, but not related to E3. This okay, came, yeah, uh, but it, shout out to the chat who sent this link. Yeah, so he he's pulled out from associating it with E3, which yeah. is still strange, but it still and seems like it still says something. Yeah. 
What a time we live in. <laughs> uh, what do you think this means for E3? I think it's already been... E3 has had a problem the last couple of years serving partners, developers... Or partners, press, and consumers all at the same time. Uh-huh. This sounds like they're still having that problem. If that continues, if it's like people start dropping out... Let's say coronavirus is not a concern by June. Uh-huh. But everyone is still kind of wary of E3, then it's bad for them. Let's say coronavirus is a concern by June... And partners drop out of E3, but they still hold it. Then people go to E3. It's like, well, this sucks. Why yeah. should we ever come back here again? And let's say that they do cancel E3, and then everyone holds their own Nintendo Direct style thing. And mm-hmm. it turns out to work out really well for them. Then they're going to say, why would we ever go back to E3? Mm-hmm. They are really screwed in a lot of ways here. Yeah. Midnight Owl says in their question here, right? I, I don't think this will be the last one we see. But by next year, I can see, them limp- I can see E3 limping into June. What are the chances that last year's E3 was the last E3 we might have seen? Honestly, because if I, this if this E3 gets canceled because of coronavirus, can they even return next year? They will try. I don't think that it's going to succeed. But when I was leaving the event hall last year, they had that banner up at the on the stairs that says, "See you next year, E3, June, whatever, whatever." Yeah. Part of me was like, I wonder if they'll have that banner this year. Because the, the hall was just so empty that mm-hmm. last day. Because, like, another day in L.A. that's not even a complete day and everyone's packing up and leaving and all that. Like, that's expensive for a lot of consumers. Mm-hmm. Like, it only makes sense if, like, a an outlet is paying for you to be there. It's – I I don't see, like, a path forward. For, I understand there's a lot of benefits to E3 still, even mm-hmm. when they're, they're still messing things up. But – are there a lot of? Be- I feel like the only benefit really is having people in one place to demo games. That's it. That's the benefit. The, yeah, that, like that's the only one. And I, it's good for press. It's good for developers to have those like B two B meetings. Yeah, is that enough for E three though no. to like exist? Like if that if that becomes the one remaining thing for E three, people can do that in in other places in other ways. Yeah, if coronavirus is like taken care of by the time E three rolls around, it's going to be good for it mm. because they GDC didn't happen. And yeah. GDC is probably not going to happen in summer. I know they said the postponement, but it's unlikely. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so everyone's eyes are on E3 and they're on Gamescom. Mm. It's good for Jeff Keighley, who's par- a partner of Gamescom, to be more involved with that. But I don't. If E3 is not there, it's going to screw up a lot of people's plans. But there's a big opportunity for them to also be the biggest show of the summer. Mm. So we'll see if it works out that way for them. We'll see. Number three. Frictional Games reveals their horror sequel, Amnesia Rebirth. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> are, are, you, are you big into Amnesia, Barrett? Uh, my uh, friends and I in high school were like, that. that's what we would like get high to and like play until <laughs> like three in the morning and just get fucking bugged out and weirded out and shit like that. That game seems Amne- terrifying. Amnesia high. is like, it's, it's, but it was one of those things though where it was like, once you saw the monster and like kind of like uh, the jank and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. it, you kind of got out of it. It's just in that moment you're like, ah, oh, fuck, ah, like, oh, oh, fuck, ah, fuck. <laughs> I, I, I included the link in the doc if you want to pull up the trailer yeah, for Amnesia Rebirth. Yeah. I'm reading this from PlayStation Blog, a post by Thomas Grip, the creative director. He was a weird like turtle monster, right, or something like that. Like a weird. Uh, no, or at least in the first one. <sighs> I can br- I can pull it up. Yeah, it's hard it, to describe. Yeah, I think it was on the box art as well. Yeah. So Thomas Grip, the, the creative director, writes, The year was 2009. I, l- I love how he opens this. The year was 2009, and Frictional Games was in crisis. We were almost out of money, and oh, yeah, it was running cool. out fast. We had lots of ideas for innovative systems and puzzles, but they weren't working out. Rash decisions had to be made. 
quote, screw innovation, let's just make the scariest game we possibly we possibly can, end quote. With this, Amnesia the Dark Descent was born, and it took off beyond our wildest wildest dreams. The game be the the game became a byword for narrative horror and is still a staple of Let's Plays and live streams today. Now, a decade later, we want to return to those roots. We want you to experience the thrills, chills, and creeping dread of the world of Amnesia in a brand new story. I'm proud to finally be able to reveal Amnesia Rebirth. What is Amnesia Rebirth? A new protagonist, a new setting, a new story, but built on what we learned from the original game. No gimmicks, no inventing something completely new. This is Amnesia. Amnesia Rebirth will be available later this year. So this is the trailer we're looking at right now. I haven't watched this trailer yet. Neither. First person walking through some creepy environments. The world looks pretty beautiful. Like the, the textures and stuff mm -hmm. are pretty detailed. Good engine support has really helped horror games over the last couple oh, of years. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, well, you don't need to like spend forever working on a texture. We just have shaders that will make it look uh, nice. And that's, that's the thing that's, that makes it so upsetting that Silent Hills never came out. Because PT looked beautiful. I'm still pissed at them for teasing that and then like doing... Amnesia like Kojima should production should know better than that. Oh, yeah, the tease on Twitter yeah. last week. Now, Imran, are you an amnesia person at all? I played the first one. I think I played a bit of the second one, but I didn't like it nearly as much. Yeah, okay. the second one wasn't. It was like a different developer. It was Chinese Room. Uh, they made Machine for Pigs. But yeah. it was fine. I liked, I liked the first one, like Barrett said, until you actually get a good look at the monster. And it's uh -huh. like, oh, yeah, this is not that so scary. You just get used to it. Yeah. but Does this do anything for you? <sighs> yes and no. Mm -hmm. I think we've been so inundated with, like, indie horror games over the last five years that's a different place now than it was when Amnesia first came out. Which is, that I mean, sense. that's unfair to Amnesia a little bit, but, like, there's so many these days that you can just take your pick. Mm -hmm. I I am probably going to play it just because, like, nobody does... The description, at least, is very existential horror. And existential horror appeals to me a lot more than, like, they're just a monster following you around. Uh-huh. But... I going by that trailer, I'm like, yeah, I could do that. I could, I could definitely go for some creepy shit. Barry, does this do anything for you? I'm intrigued. Okay, because it's definitely like it, it looks way more modern from the first one. Because the first one it was like the 1800s or something, something like that, maybe mm -hmm. earlier than that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if hmm. I get uh, now. This uh, this might be a good uh, excuse for me to reunite with my high school friends. We get there really high. Call him up. Be like, yo, you see that new amnesia? <laughs> Let's go. I forgot about the last one because it's amnesia. <laughs> Just call it amnesia. Get uh, high. God damn it. See? That was the, that was the worst, that's the worst <laughs> joke I'll ever make. Now, Barrett, follow-up question for you. So, right? We we all know here that on PS Love You XOXO, we have the fantasy draft that we have. I don't know if you've heard about this, Imran. We have a fantasy, a video game fantasy draft where we draft games based on their open critic scores or what we think they'll, they'll score on open critic. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think Amnesia Rebirth might be a, a poll for that? Should I should I look into it? Should it, I think about it? It's over and under 70, right? This yeah. This is how so, you get or lose points. Yeah. So under 70 on, on Open Critic means I start losing points. But mm -hmm. above 70 means I gain points. I just want a high Metacritic or think, high Open Critic. I think it'll do over 70. Okay. I think it, so I, I, won't lose I, I think it would be a okay bet, but I don't think – like. Because you're gonna have to start using money to draft these, yeah. uh, well, not real money, but like money in the fucking in the, game. In the fantasy, yeah, yeah. makeup money. Um, and so I don't know if it, it'd be worth the bid, personally. Even but like one dollar though, because with the idea that nobody else is gonna bid, bid on it, 
mm. this week. But you gotta but assume I don't that, know Greg that Mi- like Greg Miller's not listening to this episode. You know, maybe he like he's he, already he on. He's listening to this episode. So maybe he's, he's probably listening. maybe he's probably thinking about it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm saying, was this a trick to get Greg to then bid two dollars on music? <laughs> Who knows? I think it could be. I could see it. If it's going back to the first one, learning from the first one in a new setting, I think it, it's a safe bet of seeing it around eighty. Okay, yeah, and eighty is would be, would be a great pull. And eighty that's for sure out this year because they say it's coming out later, available later this year, and I believe them. Can you look up Soma on Open Critic, Barrett? Oh yeah, Ooh. that's a great that's a that's a great comparison because that would that would that, that was Soma would game. be a similar. Yeah. A similar I, sort of I, I recall Soma doing quite well. But maybe people really like liked Soma. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. I, I need to play it, honestly. I think I, I, own, I it. own it in like three systems. I haven't played it. Yeah, I own it too, and I booted it up, and I was just like, no, what am I doing? I don't want to play a horror, <laughs> horror game. That's the problem. Like, Part of it is like I need to be in the right you, context. Yeah, you have that. to be in the right mood. It has to be October. Soma on Open Critic, 83. Yeah, I think oh, it'd be safe with Amnesia. Oh, oh man. All right. I'm going to look up the first Amnesia. Yeah, man. Uh, now it's time for the coronavirus section. Of Even though we've years. already talked about it. Even though we talked about it a little bit, but now we're really diving deep into coronavirus. Which is the, not the best way to phrase it, but you guys get what I mean. Is this an amnesia game? Is amnesia no, anime? It's, no. It's okay, not showing me like the wrong amnesia, image. amnesia. This 77. Is co- this is the collection. For amnesia, the collection. Yeah. That One Punch Man is doing way better than it should be doing. <laughs> 59? That game's real bad. It is. Yes. But it's not. it's like... 59 sounds right, though. <laughs> mm, I guess. Like, it's, like it's, it's bad, but it's not like... It's cool for the first time you like summon Saitama and like, okay, cool, it takes him a while and then yeah. he wins. Then it's like, okay, what else is this game? And it's, no, it's just that one moment. It's That's not like it. an abomination, though. It's like, if you want a time waster at full price... <laughs> That's what One Punch Man is. That's your, that's your review of One Punch Man. Yeah, a time waster at full price. Yes. Number four. The TurboGrafx 16 Mini has been delayed after coronavirus shuts down production. This comes from Tyler or Taylor Lyles at The Verge. The TurboGrafx 16 Mini, a retro revival of the classic Japanese gaming console originally set to be released on March 19th, has been delayed due to the coronavirus outbreak, Konami announced today. The miniature console, also also known as the PC Engine Core Graphics Mini in Europe and the PC Engine Mini in Japan, includes more than 50 games from the 16-bit era, such as Bomberman 93 and East 1 and 2, built into the hardware. Konami said in a statement that the coronavirus outbreak led to an, quote, unavoidable suspension of the manufacturing and shipment of the consoles. Konami has yet to announce a new release date, however. The company said it is working on shipping the console out as soon as possible. Imran. Were mm. you looking forward to the TurboGrafx Mini? Because I feel like you were not be... even a little. No, you know, you weren't a TurboGrafx person. Not really. I think I'm like, thinking of Jerry Petty. Jerry Petty would have been looking forward to the. He would have been. I think that like Rondo of Blood is the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. Like that era of consoles, I was not super into the niche stuff. I think mm-hmm. I remember Bonk and <laughs> Rondo of Blood. That's pretty much it. No. But I, I think I'm able to try this if, if it like if I saw this in the store, I'd be like, hell yeah, maybe I'll give it a shot. But. It's not shocking to me that everyone's taking delays from coronavirus stuff. Does does that say anything about the big consoles at all? Because this yes. is the thing we've been talking about over and over and over again, and, and we talk about it to death, and nobody wants to talk about it anymore. But <laughs> consoles are coming this this holiday. Mm-hmm. We think they're coming. D- does the TurboGrafx-16 Mini delay say anything about the big consoles? It means manufacturing will not. It will slow down, if not completely go or halt, uh, if they can't get it fixed by summer. It sounds mm-hmm. like they're probably getting it fixed by summer. Like they're doing a lot of authoritarian shit to get it. Done. Like really, yes. Oh, China wow. is not. China's handling it, 
probably not great oh. from a human rights perspective, but uh-huh. we're handling it. Uh, scary. But I, if it's not fixed by summer, I could definitely see the actual consoles being delayed into next year. Okay. Scary thing. Or do you think they would just release it and just have shortages and just say, just call it a day and have people not be able to buy, buy consoles over the, over the holiday? I mean, that screws everyone over. Like, why would you launch a game with a console when That's only, a like, 100,000 people can buy it? That's a very good point. But I feel like the main uh, the main problem isn't necessarily the consoles, but, like, smaller things. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't manufacture CEs, so we're not going to release this game yet. Mm-hmm. Or we, can, we can't... Uh, I would not be shocked. I don't know this for a fact, but I would not be personally shocked if the reason we don't have brain training in America is because Nintendo can't manufacture styluses. Oh. Like, it's that yeah. level of granularity for things that we can't, like, mm-hmm. we have not gotten yet. Yeah. Scary times we live in. Speaking of, number five, Psionics cancels Rocket League World Championship over coronavirus concerns. This comes from James Bachelor at GamesIndustry.biz. Again, GamesIndustry.biz putting in good work. Rocket League developer Psionics has canceled next month's World Championship event, the latest gathering to be scrapped out of concerns over spread of novel coronavirus, otherwise known as COVID-19. The live event was due to take place at the Curtis Colwell Center in Dallas, Texas from April 24th to 26th as part of the game's Season 9 esports activities, but the developers ha- the developer has scrapped this com- competition to protect the health and safety of its players, fans, and staff. In the announcement on the Rocket League esports website, the developer promised automatic refunds for both t- tickets and parking passes to anyone who purchased through edX or ETIX. Those who, are, those who purchased tickets through third-party retailers must contact them directly to request a refund. So there you go. Number six, Take-Two CEO says COVID-19 could spark long, long-term change in remote work. This is by Rebecca Valentine at GamesIndustry.biz. Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick isn't concerned that spread of novel coronavirus will hurt the overall gaming business, but he does believe the outbreak will force many companies to permanently rethink stances on remote work. Speaking at the the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference today, Zelnick was asked about both the immediate effects of coronavirus outbreak on business and what he thought the long-term consequences would be. Zelnick responded that aside from the already announced delay of Nintendo Switch version of the Nintendo Switch version of the Outer Worlds due to the Port Studios location in China, Take Two remained unaffected by the situation. "Quote: Anytime people are sick or have tragically lost their lives, that's a more important to- topic than any of what we're covering today," he said. "In terms of business continuity, we we're not concerned. In terms of our consumer, we're." We're not concerned, and we have the ability to work remotely if it comes down to that, and I don't believe, believe it will, end quote. Later, he did concede that markets may take a real hit and things will slow down, but concluded that it will also pass. Comparing the situation in the U.S. Uh, to regular flu outbreaks in terms of its effects on both individuals and businesses, Zelnick was then asked whether or not increased remote work would affect produ- productivity. Quote, they're going to have to find a way to be just as productive at home, he said. Actually, I think one of the things that may come out of this is that, uh, or may come out of this if it's as widespread as I believe it to be, uh, one expected uh, one ex- one unexpected consequence is a lot of us who are skeptical skeptical about remote work are also going to be less skeptical about it. That's actually like so. I was talking to a friend who was also on mandated remote work, and he's a game developer as well, mm-hmm. and he was saying like this actually is a problem because we're not prepared for this. We were never set up for remote work. Yeah. Like, for example, let's say you have a Switch dev kit Mm -hmm. and you need to use that dev kit at home to work on your game, but you can't 
because Nintendo's rules say you can't. Yeah, bring you can't bring a dev, dev kit home. home. Your dev kit has to be in a place that's like a locked office or security thing or whatever. Uh-huh. Or like that's just the deal they made for that one. Like they, indie developers are different things and stuff like that. Mm. Or, or just you don't have enough dev kits to send home with every individual worker. So people just can't work on their games. They have to wait for someone to go out of the office and compile it all. Uh-huh. Like These are problems that just the game industry is not set up for because the idea of a completely decentralized gaming uh, development studio has not necessarily like taken root in the wider mm-hmm. industry yet. Let me tell you about Bungie, Imran. Number seven, COVID-19 Bungie uh, activates remote work policy. This comes from Hayden Taylor at GamesIndustry.biz. Destiny 2 developer Bungie has activated a global remote work policy for its staff in response to novel coronavirus threat. Based near Seattle, which currently has the highest infection rate in the U.S., Bungie has opted to introduce precautionary measures against COVID-19. Quote, while health and safety are our top priority, we also we also recognize the importance of maintaining continuity of our regular Bungie businesses and operations and have rapidly built a remote work infrastructure to best support this, said the developer in a blog post. Quote, this includes delivering on our current content plans, the maintenance and upkeep of Destiny 2, as well as as continuing development of the game. And so, like, it seems that, yes, like, a a lot of video game companies don't necessarily have the infrastructure for it, but as Zelnik kind of alluded to a bit in his last, uh, or in his quote from the last story, it seems that companies are gonna have to figure it out yeah especially like right now right as working from home is going to going to almost be like a not a required thing across the board but more and more companies are doing it like we talked about yesterday microsoft is doing it uh amazon is also doing it right like a lot of big companies i know tim was talking about how g G is working from home right now and uh you're seeing this more and more and more and more Mm -hmm. and so like I, I could see this having long-term effects in yeah. terms of the video games industry kind of figuring that out and remote work not being like a, a weird thing in most places. I saw a thing the other day that was, so obviously coronavirus is a problem in Japan. Mm. Uh, and so a lot of Japanese companies are saying, yeah, we'll work from home. There are very specific, like older Japanese companies that say have a policy that even when you work from home, which is rare to begin with, uh-huh. you still have to wear a suit and tie. So really, somebody invented like a Skype. I get it, man. <laughs> somebody invented like a Skype thing for video calls that makes it look like you're wearing a suit and tie. It's like super glitchy right now. And uh-huh. the gifts are hilarious of it, but like that's the level we're talking about of how unused to this people are. Yeah. Of uh, like, okay, when you when you're at home, you still have to be professional. It's like, mm. no, fuck that. I'm wearing. I'm if I'm in my boxers and it's a lucky day. <laughs> yeah. I'm being professional. Man, Imran. I'm excited to see the future of remote work in the video games industry, <laughs> but that reality is so far away, or is it? I don't know, man. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom and Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the kind of funny games that we show host each and every weekday. do 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 yeah. Out today, we got Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX for Switch, which I didn't realize that was out so soon. Yeah. As soon as today. Go get that if you're a fan of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Murder by Numbers for PC, which I've heard I, good things about. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I've it's heard, like, like I, it's gotten really good reviews it's from what I've seen. Phoenix Wright-style Picross game. Yeah. I kind of want to try it out. Yeah. People are talking about it. 60 Seconds for PS4 and Xbox One. Pathologic 2 for PS4. I've heard really good things about that. Yeah, I've also heard good things about that. After Party for Switch. Save Coke or Koch. Or Coke. Co- I think it would be pronounced Coke. See, I had a teacher that had this, so it's K O C H, which I know is a recurring theme on the show that we don't know how to pronounce that. My teacher in high school, a teacher I had in high school, had that spelling, and his name was Mister Cook. I know that like the the billionaire conservatives are named Coke. 
the yes, the Koch brothers. The owners of THQ Nordic are cock. Okay. So basically, what, who knows? I, what I've always known is cook. And so who knows? Save yeah. coach, Koch. I think it's just like a regional thing and like where you come from. Really? Of like how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what makes the most sense to me. I'm going to say cook. Save cook for Switch. Swordbreaker the game for Switch. Breeder, homegrown director's cut for PS4 and Switch. Smart city plan for PC. Yes, Your Grace for PC. Bunny Quest for PC. Mythic Escape, Diary of a Prisoner for PC and Mac. And then Polygon for PC. The new dates for you. Saren Fate is launching on Steam on March 10th. Now it's time for Reader Mail. You can write into patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames where you can get the show ad-free. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by kindoffunny.com slash Patreon. If you've thought about backing Kind of Funny on Patreon so that you can ask us a question or squat up, but have been scared off by how complicated the system seems, worry no more thanks to our sponsor, kindoffunny.com slash Patreon. When you go to kindoffunny.com slash Patreon, you're given four simple choices to decide where you want to go ask your question. Just click away. It's so easy. Greg Miller can do it. That's a burn. It's a burn right there, Greg Miller. But he wrote it, and so it's like a self-burn. Self-burn. Robbie Rob writes in to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. It says, Dear hashtag bless the dawn daily. (laughs) As the next generation consoles approach, there has been plenty of talk about the Series X and PS5. Though, let's have a little gander of what the unannounced Project Lockhart might be. Do you think this might do you think it might be possible that the lower priced Xbox might not be a console at all but a streaming st- streaming stick or box like Amazon Fire TV or Google Cast Ultra? Lockhart might be a locket of sorts for streaming XCloud with uh, the ability to use Xbox an Xbox controller for use. Thanks for all you thanks for all you do in uh reading this long question, Robbie Rob. So that was the original rumor uh mm. and probably what the original plans were. That it was a box with a processor and a GPU in it. Yeah. To at least, like, put out an image and the processor would kind of predict what your next uh, input would be. Mm. Which is, like, that's a way stuff like emulators and things like that work. Yeah. So Stadia was not super wrong in saying that. They were just saying it in the dumbest way possible. Yeah, the way they said it made people go, like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> yeah. Pre- what, was, what was the word they used? They said, like, predictive. It's, no, it's anti- going to be so advanced it predicts your next movement. They, but they, they used, like, the, some kind of latency term. They were, like, it was, like, anti-latency. Negative latency. Negative latency, yes. yeah. Which is like, no, this is a thing that emulators have been doing for years. You're just using a different word for yeah. it. But uh, I could, I don't think they're doing that anymore, but that was definitely kind of where their head was at before. Mm-hmm. I don't think the industry is ready for that thing yet. I'm, ex- I'm 100% with you. I think they will do this at some point mm-hmm. because the idea that you can sell a stick or like a small box for 100 bucks and like, you know, brand that as Xbox. I think it's tantalizing, and I, th- I, I, I think there is a market for that, but I don't think we're at, we're not at that place yet. For and I think I think Phil Spencer and, and Xbox knows we're not at that place yet. Yeah, and like, so like I, I think it's going to be some sort of maybe three hundred, four hundred dollar box that is either all digital or lower powered in some way. I mean, it's like the PSP Go, right? Like that thing was way ahead of its time, but it was mocked thoroughly because like you can't use your UMDs on it. Yeah, why would anyone buy this? It's was not far removed from the idea of oh we're just everything's digital now like mm-hmm. why would I use a cart yeah when I could just have like everything on my system at once mm-hmm. what do you think what do you think the uh, lock card is going to be do you, do you similarly think it's going to be like a lower powered console at this point I think yeah I think uh, I would not be shocked if it's an Xbox One X basically but like 
a little different in certain ways, like uh-huh. a better GPU or some things that differ from the Xbox One X. And I think Xbox One X will still sit as an existing way to play those games. Mm-hmm. But then it'll be like, okay, we're phasing this out slowly, and now the Lockhart is the lowest end version, and then we also have the Series X as well. Do you th- then do you then think the Lockhart will come out? later or do you think it comes out at the same time as the xbox series x i've gone back and forth on it i think it depends a lot on how expensive the series x is Mm. if it is over 500 dollars, then i think they're gonna have to launch with a cheaper version that makes sense if they like if it's like competitively priced though then yeah they could wait a couple of months i a year maybe i i'm still sold on the idea that there there are going to be two consoles at launch though the closer and closer we get the more and more i'm like well if they reveal it i think they'll probably reveal it at E3, mm-hmm. but the, I, I, sirens are on our end. Uh, the thing that makes it difficult is that I feel like you kind of want to get that messaging out there about like a new console or new consoles. Wow, those yeah, sirens right are here. really on our are end. Are we on fire? <laughs> Checking the other room. Cool, Greg, are you okay? <laughs> uh, as, as we get close to it, I, the, the thing that's on my mind is do they wait for E3 to reveal a second console or is that something you want to get out there before E3? My question is more do they? I think they do have a second console for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the plans. It's happening. It's as obvious as the Switch Lite was with the Switch. Yes. But I wonder if they announce it outright or they hint at it instead. Because mm-hmm. like, if you announce that, yeah, we'll have a cheaper version down the road. Do you get people? Are people just people are wait? just not going to buy the Xbox Series X? Yeah. Thing? And, like, how much does the cheaper version matter at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Like, are people willing to pay? I'd be very curious to know what the what the breakdown of Xbox One consoles are right now. How many people are buying the X versus, versus the, the S? Yeah. One S. Or the Pro versus the regular PS4. Yeah. Hi, have you heard the two SKUs for the PS5 rumor? Mm, I, I don't that think was I a, That was a rumor that floated around last week, mm-hmm. and I brought it up very briefly on PS I Love You because we just talked about whatever PlayStation there, and it was a thing that I skipped over because I was like, obviously, like, well, not even obviously, but this isn't a thing that I think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a chance that there's two PS5s at launch? At launch? Yeah, at no. launch. No? I, I could say different bundles, but that just creates confusion. Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, had that kind of thing before. Like, we had the different hard drive things, but I think if they have like a terabyte hard drive and a two terabyte hard drive, maybe. Mm-hmm. But again, confusion, because then people will be like, well, I didn't get the two terabyte one. I'm just not going to get anything right now. Yeah. I think they avoid it. I think they go for the simplest answer at launch because it is po- very possible to confuse your audience. Mm. And when you, once you do that, it's very hard to get them back. Yeah. And Especially I, with yeah. when you're calling your console the PS5, PlayStation 5. I feel like you, you start off and you just brand it as that and you make no confusing yeah. confusion. Because when you, once you call it the PlayStation 5S or PlayStation 4, they wouldn't call it the S, PlayStation 5 Pro mm-hmm. at launch, yeah, that then muddles or muddies the, 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 the messaging. On the other hand, like, I I think that muddies it less than Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S, you know, because like when like PS5 and then PS5 Pro like Mm -hmm. makes a very clear statement of like, hey, this is PS5's new hardware. It's the base of like what we want to start this generation. Pro is a little more higher end. Like, yeah. I, I think that's but I, I really think, clear. I think Xbox is less worried about muddying the waters in terms mm. of that because they don't mm. care about selling the boxes themselves. Yes. They care about bringing you into the ecosystem. They want your service money. Yeah, they want your service. They want you to get into Xbox no matter where, where it's at. And so whatever options – like, if we, if we were at a place where a streaming box could work, like, flawlessly and, and, and we're, if we were at a place where we were ready for a streaming box, mm-hmm. like, bet your money there would be a stream, streaming box at launch for Xbox. But – I think for PlayStation, they're so focused on 
selling you on that PS5 box and sell, selling you on the PS5 ecosystem too, but in the sense that like, hey, we, we are bring, we're shepherding everybody forward. We're bringing everybody up to the PS5. We're trying to get everybody to buy this box as opposed to Xbox who, you know, they just want people, they just want people in, with, within the brand. I think that, I think for a PlayStation, it muddies the waters too much in a way for Xbox, they don't even, they don't care. I do think it's interesting that like last generation was launch a little weak in terms of hardware power uh-huh. and then eventually make a stronger thing mid-generation. This generation, it looks to be the opposite of like, we're going to launch strong and then maybe down the line we'll sell something a little cheaper. Yeah. Like it seems, to me that says they're confident that this generation will continue a bit longer than most generations in terms of like overlap. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, third-party developers already said, like, yeah, we're not going to move on completely for a couple of years. I Square Enix outright said it, which is saying the quiet part loud a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, to the, I think that phrasing and that strategy is them going, people are still going to use the old systems for a while. So let's get on the people who care about the tag and care about the hardware the most on board early. And then after that, then we'll have the people who only really care about price and playing the new games. Mm-hmm. A Quirk of Fate writes in and says, A recent report by Ben Gilbert at Business Insider suggests that one of the reasons Google Stadia may be struggling to attract some of some of the... What's up, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> Did Kevin almost trip? What just happened there? Oh, I lost some balance and fell back. Oh. Like, like, for a half second, I was like, was Kevin drunk? What's yeah, happening like, here? Kevin walked in I was, and was like, apparently about to just fall over. <laughs> which isn't a new thing, but still. Oh, throws me off. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was you bumped the chair on the way back, and I was like, "That was oh, okay." I'm glad you're sober. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. <laughs> Let me start that over. A recent report by Ben Gilbert at Business Insider suggests that one of the reasons Google Stadia may be struggling to attack to attract some of the major indie titles is the lack of realistic financial deals being offered to devs. Is this a sign of inexperience with the industry, or could it be the first sign that Google is getting cold feet and may already have chosen not to pursue Stadia in its current form, long term? So the. The f- meetings they were talking about with developers were around, I want to say, PAX West last year. Okay. Of, I remember talking to developers that were saying, like, yeah, we had meetings with Google, and they, just, they fucking lowballed us. Mm. They gave us a number that no other console maker would have given us, with, like, in terms of how low it was. Yeah. So I'm not shocked that they're, like, this in- information is coming out now. I guess only people now care to talk about mm. it, but... How do we explain? Because the w- the way I've been kind of explaining it is that I this to me it's just that Google is inexperienced in in terms of video games, but they have experienced people over there, right? Like they have big name people yeah. over there. Is it just that those people aren't involved in those decisions, or like wh- wh- how do you think this is breaking down that they missed the mark on on that? I think they a lot of it's hubris, honestly. Like there really? is there's probably people at the executive board of Google that are thinking. We're Google. We're already entrenched in the tech space. Mm-hmm. Why do we need to spend that much money to get into this console space? And the answer is because you do. Yeah, it's a different space entirely. Yeah, and I think there's probably I I bet you Phil Harris is begging his bosses to go like for the love of God, release the purse strings. Mm-hmm. Let me make more money on this sort of thing, and they're just not letting it. Like the God, what was her name? The Santa, or Sony Santa Monica. Shannon Sudstill. Yeah. That she just left to make it. That surprised me. Because mm-hmm. she must. Either they're writing her a huge check. Oh, yeah. She's or, being paid. Or she must see something amazing at Stadia. So I'm mm-hmm. so. Like, what is our long term game? Like, what does the first party of Stadia look like? And why are they only building it up now when it should be, like, built up two years ago and then they announced? Yeah. It, we'll see. It's. It's. 
very strange. And I, if they don't fix the third party issue, then none of the rest of that matters. Because mm-hmm. like, there's only so much. Unless you're a Nintendo, you can't run a system on, by yourself. And even then, there's a high chance it fails. Yeah, even then, like I mean, the Wii U was a thing, right? Where yeah. no, there weren't third party games coming out for that thing. It was just Nintendo and yeah, a couple that, of Nintendo bangers, but and a few. Yeah, yeah, but and that was that was not enough. Yeah, and so now it's time to squat up. Of course, you can write in, get your uh, squat up read when you want to play play games with other people. Greg has like all these all these things memorized in terms of how he explains things, and I have to like write down like the whole scripts, and mm-hmm. I don't have a script for this one, and so you know what squat up is. You want to play games with people? Let us know. When I first you started, play games with people. When I first started, I actually like I watched Greg thing and like wrote everything down that he said to mm-hmm. like practice that because I figured people would be mo- more used to the way Greg says things. Yeah, people were like, "No, he's just doing it like Greg does." So just do whatever the fuck you want to do, yeah. and then people will respond to that. Be you, bless. Now yeah. it's time to squat up. Fuck it. <laughs> That's my new intro. <laughs> Zach writes in and says, Hey, best friends. As a filthy achievement whore, I'm currently working towards completing my achievement list for Battlefield 1. But low server populations and lack of add-on support makes it difficult to complete the suite of DLC achievements. So, if for whatever reason you are also interested in filling on filling out your Battlefield 1 achievement list, feel, feel free to message me on Xbox at Son of Tomp. Two, six, four. You can change your name on Xbox. <laughs> uh, I'll rent a server. So once again, Zach is son of Tomp. That's T H O M P eight two six four on Xbox One. That'll be in the YouTube description once this thing stop finishes processing three days from now. <laughs> uh, now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you can write in and let us know what we got wrong during the show. If you're watching live, for all the people watching later on YouTube.com slash kindoffunnygames and podcast services around the globe. Let's see what we got wrong today. Somebody did tweet us a stays gone image or stay gone. Stay, did they really? Yes. Yeah, to, um, yeah, see if you can find that. Put, put that up because that'll be fun to look at. Robbie Rob says, you said you don't have energy, but you always bring so much energy to the podcast. Thank you, Robbie Rob. <laughs> wow. You're wrong. You're great. I'll take it. Let's see. Working from home. Nintendo just announced that they're working from home as well today. Thank you for that. Yeah, there's the stay gone. Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, stay gone. That's awesome. That's great. Y'all are talented. I hope that Greg sees that. It doesn't know the context of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, Greg might get his feelings hurt, hurt if he sees that out of context. <laughs> Within context is fine. But out of context, Greg might see this and be like, oh, well, I quit. I'm going back to IG. Not appreciated here. Uh, breaking news. Wow. Emerald City Comic Con just got postponed to the summer due to coronavirus. All these things postponing to summer, I don't think they're happening in the summer. I know they're they're trying to be optimistic, but... That's wild, dude. Yeah. I can't believe that. I think the mayor of Seattle and the governor were under a lot of pressure to postpone it anyway. And then another... But that's bad for for Reed. Reed has to cancel a bunch of stuff now. That's crazy. Uh, Another one. This comes from Denim, Denim Co. One extra item for the corona report. TwitchCon Europe in Amsterdam has been canceled. They also canceled the Pokemon tournament as well. Oh, I think I might have saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, okay, it's not a you're wrong. I don't think there's any actual, like, you're wrongs. Oh, wait, no, this was from yesterday. Uh, Coke is pronounced like Coke in America. The pronunciation for Coke media is not cock. It's ca with a phlegmy at the end. Cock. Cock. Glad, glad to do that directly to a microphone. I hope yeah, people are going to love that. that. Um, but it looks like there's like no actual you're wrongs, and so. But thank you for all the info. Actually, hold on. I'm just trying to make sure. Okay, people, well that's not a you're wrong. People on Twitter have uh, reactions to you not seeing movies. 
Which movie? Oh, the Pixar movies? Yes. Like all the movies, bless. Whatever, man. I'll fucking watch the movies. Once I finish the show, I'm going to go to the next room, look, pick up my phone, and see all the notifications. Belinda so. Garcia says it's affecting our friendship. Is it affecting our friendship? That's what she <laughs> because says. Because we just watched a freaking... What, what um, movie did you not watch? Coco. Huh? He hasn't seen any Pixar oh, movies in the last... Is it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd like it. Even Kevin I likes probably, it. I mean, every, everybody loves Coco. I just haven't seen Pixar movies, really, oh. in the, within the last, like, five years. I saw They're Incredibles 2. That's a good idea. But also, like, I feel like Pixar movies, they're so beautiful and detailed that I want to see them in the theater. Once they're gone from the theater, it's like, why even bother? No, that's stupid. Legend of Darby no, yeah, says... Yeah, that's a stupid yeah, idea. That's a stupid idea. Same yeah. blessing, not seeing Tangled has ruined me. Is that Darby? Yes. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Tangled is good, dude. Tangled is really good. I don't good. need to watch all these Pixar movies. You they do, put out, though. I know, you've seen one Pixar movie. You've seen them all. They make you but cry Tangled every time. They're fucking beautiful. Pixar, dude. Tangled is Disney proper. And I'll tell you, this is another high school bear getting high and doing stuff with his high school friends. We saw Tangled in the theaters what do you mean really by doing high. Stuff? <laughs> yeah, what do you mean by doing stuff with your high school friends? <laughs> getting high. And like going out and watching movies and For playing context, video games. For context, you were also in high school at, the, at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we saw Tangled really high in theaters, and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> It was really good. There's a, and I've seen it sober. I've seen it sober since then, and it's still really good. Really? Oh yeah. What's the point? I like it to be in the box. Saw it high. Great. Sober. Also great. Also great. What's the point of seeing a 3D animated movie after Shrek? Because they don't. Get, they're not as good. Okay. Not no 3D <laughs> animated movie is going to be as good as Shrek. I. You agree? You, you had me in the like you. you I was upset in the first part of the segment. But you understand what I'm and saying. You it was one of those things I was like, and now I'm kind of on your side now. Dude, as a kid, I this fucking what, get this it, was, This was all time Belinda when I was explaining to her that I've not seen many Pixar movies lately. Is that as a kid, I saw Shrek, and even as a kid, like, what, like seven years old, I was like, fuck, that movie, that movie is great. That movie is amazing. Like, I've not seen a movie that good in a minute, and I was only <laughs> seven years old. Shrek is really good. Man. Shrek, and people meme it to death, but like... And I haven't seen Shrek in a minute, and so maybe like no, no, it's good. Is stuff. it still good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The yeah. problem with Shrek is the all the sequels, some of which are okay. Shrek two, yeah, Shrek two, Shrek two, is Shrek two is solid. Yeah. Shrek, Shrek the third, ever no. after, not good. Mm. No, I never I saw Puss in Shre- Boots. Shrek two, you're good. Like after that, you don't. Puss in Boots was solid. Shrek four, I remember taking my little sister ever after, and she was. She was oh, like, I did see Shrek four. Shrek, Shrek forever ever after. Yeah, right. She was like four or five when I took her. Ever after. For four? <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking this up. I Did you know forever, ever, ever, there's ever a Beat Saber level? Is this the post show? No. 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 This, is, this, is, this is your log. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. It's Shrek Forever After. That's I just the fourth one. Yeah. Ever After. Because yeah. the ever four after. pun. Ever After. Yeah. Shrek Forever Is Kevin trying to be Kevin right now? Is this the, is this the way you guys are talking about? <laughs> Wrap up the show. Everyone's trying to say something. Yeah. Did you know there's a Beat Saber level that's just... The Shrek movie, like the entire first Shrek movie. Is this like a modded thing? Yes. <laughs> what? That's awesome. It's a fan track, but it's like literally just you play through the entirety of the Shrek movie in Beat Saber. That's awesome. Before I wrap up, I saw a trailer for a new Minions movie. And let me tell you guys, I'm very excited about this new Minions movie. It looks really good. It's uh, Minions. Baby Groot, right? Yeah, it's Baby Groot. Uh, I think Groot. Groot, yeah. Groot, not Groot. Baby Groot was a thing. It was incredible. It's Minions 2. Is the it Minions 2? The Rise yes. of Gru. Yeah, I think that's what it was. They're just cross-contaminating now. They're not separate anymore. I've only seen the first no, Despicable they Me. They, they started together. Yeah, I know, but like, didn't they like then spun the Minions off into its own like, Wait, thing? Which was a prequel that tells the story before they meet Gru. But I think yeah. it's more like a... Br- 
My question is, why is this not a Despicable Me movie? Because of branding. Okay. They found ways. They found a way to like get the branding on point. Because Minions everywhere. blew up. All right, all right. Wrap it up. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna wrap up. Post next show. week's hoax. Hoax. Uh, next week's hoax. Hoax. <laughs> they. You found me. You figured me out. <laughs> next week's hosts are Monday is Greg and Tim. Tuesday is me and Emron. Wednesday is Greg and Gary Wooda. Thursday is Greg and me, and then Friday is Greg and me. Greg's back, everybody. Hooray. Stay gone. <laughs> of course, this has been. Yeah, he's been. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily, each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games, so stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, Game Daily. <laughs>